please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We're at uh, at Hebrews chapter 4. And you know, it's a familiar scripture. It says, <clears throat> For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharpening to a sword, piercing even to the divided asunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrows, discern of thoughts, intents of the heart. And so he, Paul relates, any rest you have, it comes to the Word. That is why Christians that are dealing with life, as most of us are, you have to stay in the Word. <clears throat> I talked to a man has been in jail now for about 40 years. And uh, he is in the Word almost daily. He said to me, the first 20 years, it was literally hell until I found Christ. And I stayed in the Word. I stayed in the rest of God because chapter 4 talks about entering His rest. This idea of entering uh, the, the rest of God has to do with uh, actually being under His teaching, His care, His Word. Because verse 12 is a divider on, on, on 12, 12 verses of chapter 4. He talks first, let us believers of today, therefore fear, least uh, a promise being left of entering into His rest. He brings this concept of entering to the rest of God, just like Israel was in the desert <coughs> waiting to enter the promised land. And Christians today, we we got to find a way to enter this rest that God has for us. And of course, you know, the, the weekends that I spend by myself these days, I spend a lot of time in the Word because I, I just... It's not that I uh, uh, am, uh, uh, let's say... Uh, want to study or, or to prepare. That's not it. It's just, I want to enter the Scripture and feed in the Scripture. Because when I do it, I think about others. I think about the plan of God for my life. I think about the future and what God wants me to do. But when I'm out of the Word, I'm thinking about who I am and my sin and my problem, my, my, my this and my that and my that and my that. And so, it's very difficult so entering the rest, it means let the Word heal you. You, you, you. you read not to study. You read to feed. And so he says, For unto us well, the gospel will preached uh, as well unto them. So, but the Word preached did not profit them. For, they, for In the desert, they, they did not mix with faith. And John talked about this last week, that faith mixed with reading reveals the will of God. Faith mixed with reading reveals the, the, the will of God. And so, for we, for we have believed, do, we who have believed enter into, into the rest. Yes, it's right. And so Paul then continues this idea. And he says again, he limits a certain day saying in David today, after so long of time, today, Psalm 95, today, meaning it's something that is given to you as an opportunity 
daily, as you get your Bible, you sit in a little corner, and you begin to study, you begin to prepare, the Holy Spirit enters into that togetherness with you and the Word to where you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about others. You're not thinking about your problems. You're not studying it. You're actually reading it. And, and as you read it with an open heart, then God can speak and talk. What is the difference between studying and reading? Studying is your mind in the Word. Reading is your faith in the Word. There's a difference. So when you study, when you see somebody preach on television, and they are commenting the Scripture, uh, it's, what, it's what it says to, to us and translating to us, the difference between studying and reading is, is very powerful. And, uh, and so, as, as they share, you share with yourself. You're not re- studying. You're absorbing it. You're reading. You, you're receiving it. And then it says, uh, 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 verse 9, chapter 4, There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. So, in other words, this is for the people of God. This rest, this time of relating with the Lord is, is for the people of God. The people who know God, who believe God. Now, because, you see, if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen to you. It's not going to happen to anybody who do not profess Jesus Christ as Lord and gave you. You are saved. Unsaved people can't hear. My sheep hear my voice. So the difference of you that uh, is listening to me, if you want to know if you're saved or not, you don't understand the word, you're not saved. Because the voice of God is revealed, the rest of God is revealed to those who are saved. Good? You got it? Okay. So now, verse 10, For he who is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. You, you, you get the idea. In other words, if you have entered the rest of God, you, uh, you actually uh, ceased your works. What does what ceased your works mean? Uh, it means that, uh, well, God rested on the seventh day when creation was finished. We can rest in Christ because the plan of redemption is finished and, and which God's rest was a type. I think what the commentator here in my Bible, and of course, you know, I've been telling you that I study and I teach and I preach from uh, this Bible, which is the Expositor's Study Bible. You don't find a Bible like this in the United States of America or in the world, anywhere you are. Uh, and it's a Bible that is forwarded by Jim Swaggart, a man of God from Louisiana. And so I, I, I'm very happy to allow, to, to share with you that you should get a Bible like that. Now, let's take a look. So entering the rest means able to hear the word coming from God to you. If you can't hear, you're not a sheep of the Lord. I said that. So verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. So, labor means do all you can. Ask the Lord to save your soul. Confess your sins before Him. Take communion. Go to church. Share them with the love of others and wait for the Lord to deliver you His salvation. 
And then, let's labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let us hasten therefore to enter there. Least any man fall after the, ex- the same example of unbelief. It is talking, in other words, unbelief kills the opportunity to be saved. Unbelief is a, is a cancer. You know, uh, you can have all kinds of theological problems. Condemnation, anxiety, turmoil. But when you enter unbelief, you are dealing now with something very serious. Because you don't believe that you're worth anything. You don't believe that God is in you. You don't believe the Holy Spirit is part of your life. So it's almost like you need a saving experience. A new experience. Now it could be the devil is lying to you, saying to you that... Uh, that uh, you're not worth any much. You've got to decide between the, the, the word. So how do, I, how do I counsel people that are in this struggle between rest and unrest, faith and unbelief? How do I, what do I say to them as I counsel them? First of all, I say to them that you need to be in the word. And you need to share the word with others. Unless you do that, then uh, you are not uh, able to make it. Doubt, fear, unbelief comes into your life, and you can't do what God called you to do. So, what you can do here is enter the Word and share. For instance, let me go and I'll share with you. For the Word of God, verse 12, is the end of chapter 4 of Hebrews. For the Word of God is quick, alive. You know, I've been praying for someone, uh, and, uh, and the Lord made a decision in our ministry. And I've been praying for that person, and, and for the Lord and the, His decision, and all of that. And uh, so a verse of Scripture came to me was that uh, the Lord decides, and He does not change His mind uh, 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 until He wants to. And so, when you say, God's will be done, uh, simply means uh, God can do whatever He wants. And you have to wait upon Him to do it. God's will be done means He can do it. He can change everything. And that's a wonderful truth of the gospel, that He is in charge. So the Word of God is, is living, meaning that it has, it's a living organism. It's a living person, more than an organism. It is the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And, uh, and, it's, and it's also energizing and powerful. And then it says, sharper than any two-edged sword. What do you mean by that? The ability to probe and go in and decide and cut left and right to find the real intent of your, of your heart. You know, you can say a lot of things that are not in your heart and that are hidden. We studied the book of Leviticus. And you remember that uh, the sin offering, which is a very powerful offering. Uh, it's called, it's called uh, 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 the day, you know, the day of reckoning of the priest going into the Holy of Holies to bring uh, oil for the lamp and sprinkle the blood upon the, the cover of the, of, the, of the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? One animal was offered. was a bull, a large animal. And uh, 
And suddenly, uh, Moses writes something interesting. He says, the meat had to be flayed. And of course, you know, meat, what is our word flay means? Flay means you take a knife and you scrape the, the flesh out of the bone. Of course, this is done everywhere. You know, if you buy, if you buy meat in a market, uh, you, you have to, if you want a filet mignon, you got to take the bone out. You got to cut. And, uh, uh, Sin is like this. The will of man is like this. It's deep. What you say is not what is in your heart. And to do what you say is flesh. To do what's in your heart only by the Holy Spirit. And so, I've been praying that the Lord would teach me that He don't have to flay me. I, I want to open my bones to Him and let them flay whatever is there that is not His will. And uh, and uh, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord to to remove from me areas that are hid within my heart that resist His will. So unbelief, it's like, just like that. It's that deep in the bone, bone marrow. And so the people of Israel did what was right portray what's right, but when it came to please God, they wouldn't do it. Out of two million people, a million nine hundred died in the desert. I mean, generation after, forty years in the whole, funerals everywhere. So the Word of God is living in power, sharpening a two-edged sword, just like a knife. Two-edged sword means a knife that cuts both ways, deep into the bone marrow deep into there, knows exactly what intent of your heart is. You can say with your mouth, you can say to everybody, that's what it is, that's what's going to be done, it has to be this way. And the Lord says, you're full of baloney. Your heart inside of you wants something else, and uh, uh, what you say is not what your heart wants. Now, that's the will of God. Now, let's take a look at this one more time. It says, it divides soul and spirit. Why? Because the soul is your will, mind, and emotions. Your spirit is the spiritual part in you that communicates with God. The Word of God separates flesh from the will of God, from the Word of God, from the spirit. Now, what is a spirit? It's a big battery. I'd say the best battery in the world. If you go to a house to buy a battery, it will be the biggest one you have down there. In other words, it can be about uh, a ton battery. It can be the size of this house battery. In other words, it depends on how much prayer you pray. When I pray a lot, I can tell you I'm a different person. I don't, I, I don't even understand what I'm saying. God uses my mouth in the way that I don't understand. When I don't pray, I'm flesh. I had a privilege of buying half of a Boston Butts. And uh, I never, I, I don't know what was it. I, I, I never seen a Boston Butt. But I felt like it's a piece of chunk of meat about this big inside of a can. This much piece of meat. And I, and I looked at it and uh, 
So I got there early and they're selling. $25 a half, half a buck. So suddenly I finally looked. And that was nothing like what I saw. All what I saw was pieces of meat all sort of taken apart. You know, filling a whole container. And I thought, well, I, I don't understand. It says Boston Butts, but it's from the hump of the front of the animal. The pig, the front part of the animal. You know, that's, a, that's where the meat comes in, but they say it's from back there. So, that totally confused me. I still don't know who is right and what is a Boston Butt is. And so, and so I'm sort of a looking for that and wanting to know what it is, and I bought it. In my heart, in my mind, I want to eat a piece of it, but I waited. And so I put it on the freezer, which is all I got in my refrigerator. By the way, never buy a refrigerator with the name Whirlpool. Never buy it. I want you to know they will not fix it for you. Forget it. That company needs to go out of business. So here's, here's what I did, okay? Uh, uh, I've, uh, I put it on the refrigerator. The freezer, that's what I got. And it freezes my milk too. It's a mess. In the morning, I went there. And as I took a piece to prepare a sandwich to bring to the office, the bottom of that pan was pure white. The grease from the Boston hump. It's right there. I saw it. The juice fell off. And what I'm saying to you is this. Uh... What I saw was not what I had to eat. Now, a man of six, seventy-eight years old can't eat that type of thing. He'll clog your arteries all the way to kingdom come. And, uh, of course, a young person like uh, Amy, uh, Emily, she can eat that and she has no problem. I give it to her. Boston Bus, $25, Emily, you can have it. But I can't. I can't eat it. So, when when it says divide the soul from the spirit, the spirit is the clear meat on the top. The the soul is the fat underneath. It has to be divided. It's impossible that your mind can comprehend the will of God. The will of God doesn't explain and tell you it's going to be this and this and that because in the future is this is this and this is going to happen and then there's something else is going to happen in the future and this person comes in this person comes in and there's three salvation and then you do some more and about 20 years from now bang 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 I have a grandson who's preaching I have no idea and so in order to not get complicated and confused and fall apart, and, and be rebellious, and be like the Jew in the desert. You simply do the will of God as, you, as He tells you now. Do not eat the pig. Oh, oh, that was a bad thing. Oh, I, said, I sat there and said, I gave, it's not the $25. Is that I tasted a little bit of that. Man, it's the best thing I ever tasted. In my whole entire life, I can tell you that Boston Butt just spoke to me 
just Boston, 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 Erie, Erie, Erie. Good, 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 good. Oh. So I ate a big old sandwich. And then I'm watching TV and I'm looking for the changer to change the channel. And I couldn't find it. <laughs> it was in my lap. I had to find it after I got out of the chair. In other, in other words, it clogged my veins. It's already clogged enough. I don't need to clog it with, a, with fat from a pig or something farm somewhere. The will of God has to separate you from your soul because your soul wants everything that is not what the will of God. But when you let the Spirit in your life hear from God, then He fulfills His perfect will. Now the will of God is all the way through the Spirit, never the soul. And so, it says, in joints and marrows. A lot of translation about that, but I don't have to really to look at commentators when I study verse 12. Joints and marrows, it simply means joints and the deep of the bone who makes the joint. And, and again, you know, if you are looking for bone marrow, uh, it's deep. Joints is... We're, we're full of joints. You know, there's a joint to joint to joint, bone, bone to bone to bone to bone, bone, bone connected, bone, bone connected, bone, 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 bone. I know the bone down here, bone here, bone here, all the way down, bone, 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 and bone. All the, I mean, we're, uh, if we take the joints out, we fall on the floor like a piece of paper. We're full of joints, meaning that God, God, the Word penetrates into your disposition, penetrates into you, your, your moving, your, your walking, your blood. I told you the Leviticus says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The Word of God, can the Word of God, oh yes it can. The Word of God can penetrate, and so you have not study it, but, but absorbing, reading, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What does this mean, Lord? Oh God, show me this, God. I know, oh God. In other words, people say, oh Rick, you know, you mess up your theology if you keep on, keep on asking God to reveal. Yes, mess your theology all the way. You can read all the commentators you want in the world until the Holy Spirit reveals His perfect will for that Scripture and, and you get fed. The rest of it you forget. So, and it says again, He is a discerner. What is, is a, who is it? A discerner of thoughts and intents. The Word. The Word discerns the thinking, the rationale. And then the intent of the rationale. And then it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight. Meaning, <laughs> forget it, you can't hide. Can't hide. You can't hide under nothing. You can't, uh, it's all exposed. And, and uh, you've got to understand that when you study the Word, it moves deeply inside of you. And your perfect will and desire comes before God. I have a little book on top of my table at my condo. It's a little, little plastic little container filled with uh, horizontal little pieces of paper, hard, hard paper, 
with scriptures on each side in different colors. It's just fact. It's a Portuguese thing. No, 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 it's in English. It's in English. I don't know where I got it. I think Mary Lucy got it somewhere in some bookstore. And so every morning I take a verse of Scripture. And I, I, I put it put on the table and it's the Scripture for, for the day. And today I looked at it and it says, is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, that's chapter 12. So, how do I qualify the rest? The rest is a state of mind and spirit that causes heavenly living. Begin on earth, rest of the spirit, which is the rest of God, on earth. It's not something for eternity. It's a heavenly thing that begins on earth. You rest on it. Now, remember that studying and teaching doesn't rest. It has to do when the Spirit reveals to you the Word. And that type of teaching is powerful. It's very powerful. And uh, we, we've, we've had a, a teacher in our, in our ministry called Betty McKinney. Those of you who remember her. Some, some, of the, some of the mornings when Betty began to teach, man, you could see the Word, fulfill the Word. Now we have a, a, a young man called uh, Andy Hines. And oh my goodness, he can, he can dissect the Word. Then we have people like David Nutter. Oh my goodness. And then if you go up north into uh, Arlington, Virginia, you have Eugene Thomas. And when you hear Eugene Thomas, you glue yourself to every word he's going to say. Because he's just just uh, impregnated with the Holy Spirit. And so, verse 12, 14 began then the end of chapter 4. And it's a powerful uh, uh, 14, 14, 15, three verses, that's all. I have five minutes, so let me do it. Says, it says this, Seeing that we have a great high priest, who is passed into the heavens. So what does it mean? It means that Jesus is the Word. And now that He he passed from earth, from flesh, into the spiritual realm, which is the heavens. And then it qualifies Him as the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Now the word the word profession means... Our belief, meaning our strength. But I take it a different way. I look at this word profession. It's the same word when you profess. When you profess, when you take communion, you profess your faith. Now, profession is actually the verbalizing of your spirit. Because when something is holy, like the Word of God, and you profess that Word inside of you. Now, let's read it again. It says, Seen then, then in the light of what all we all said in verse in thirteen verses about entering the rest of God, we have a high priest. Who is the high priest? Jesus. Who, what is the job of Jesus? He's sitting in heaven and he is he is speaking to God on our behalf. He's our intercessor. He is a high priest. Meaning, you, in order to get to God, you have to go through the high priest. In order to get. To, your sin forgiven, you have to go through Aaron. Aaron is the high priest. When Aaron 
took the blood of the animal inside of the Holy of Holies and sprinkled at the Ark of the Covenant. The glory of God shined all over that place. And God forgave the sins of the people once a year. What is the name of that? Day of Atonement. Once a year. And so, confess Jesus as your high priest and confess and profess and confess. And then verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, Jesus in the flesh was touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Not actually the infirmity, but the feeling. He knew how to suffer. He knew the pain. He knew the anxiety. He knew the turmoil. He knew the the problem. He, He felt the pain. He felt the sin, but didn't sin. He felt the temptation, but didn't didn't sin. So, it's because you see, He's portraying you under the Word. Because when you are under the Word, you are tempted by not sin. You hurt, but you don't cry. You bleed, but don't die. You run, but you don't fall. You scream, but you don't uh, fall apart. And so, like as we yet without sin, that's the end of verse 15. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities. That's the King James. That's the blessing of King James. You don't get nothing here outside of the King James when it comes to verse 15. But the, 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 actual, the actual feeling of our infirmity. In other words, it's a nice comparison. Nice, nice analogy. Feelings of our infirmity. And then it says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. <clears throat> In other words, because you have the word in you, run to grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. In other words, run to mercy. Run to mercy. Oh, but I'm a sin. I'm no good. I'm, if everybody that sin is no good, there's not a single good man in the whole world. So how do you do about this thing? You run to grace. You run to mercy. Anybody who, co- who condemns a sinner... Uh, is of the devil. In other words, grace of God is extended to you today to live a new day in the presence of the Lord. Be glad that you are chosen as a child of God. See you tomorrow.